Hey folks, Jonathan Tannenwald here. Welcome to this week's edition of Not Another Philly Sports Talk Show. A quick little disclaimer before we get started. Early on in the show, you will hear Mike Sielski say that we're going to have Mike Kern of the Daily News on, and then later in the show, you will hear Mike Sielski say that we are not going to have Mike Kern of the Daily News on because our conversation with Dave Murphy ran a little long and some other things came up. We apologize for that. We will have Mike Kern on at some other point soon enough, I'm sure, to talk about Villanova basketball and all of our various favorite places to eat, because of course, that's what we do. So with that said, apologies again, and here is this week's show. I'm not governed by the fear of what other people say. You've got to open your heart. Well, number one, he's one of the elite offensive players in the game. What is leadership like in today's football world? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Not Another Philly Sports Talk Show, the best and most Leslie Goodell-free podcast in the Delaware Valley. Just kidding, Leslie. We love you. Um, This is Mike Sielski from the Philadelphia Inquirer, joined in studio by uh, producer Jonathan Tannenwald. Hello. And joined on Skype from Clearwater, Florida, by David Murphy from the Philadelphia Daily News. Dave, what's happening? Well, at the moment, I'm sitting in the visiting radio booth at Spectrum Field, uh, formerly known as Bright House Field, and it is raining. Oh, uh, gosh. The palm trees are blowing right to left on your radio dial. Um, <laughs> but I think we don't have a radio dial, so we'll just Or stay. you're on your, uh, on your, your, your touch screen. Okay. Your touch screen. Gotcha. They're blowing right to left. I'm looking at them. They're blowing right to left in front of my face. My right. My left. Um Let's talk about Eagles free agency. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. What do you want to say? Well, because well, so what, we're also going to talk about this pace of game ridiculousness, right? Oh, absolutely. This is like, like the, the the three seconds per week that Major League Baseball just saved by uh, <laughs> eliminating the intentional walk by by eliminating uh, the need to throw four pitches for the one intentional walk that occurs every few games. Yeah, um, that's not good. But let's yeah, I mean, let's go to free agency to first. So I talked to Pete McCannon about that today. Uh, okay. Or let's go to this. Or let's go to this. I, kind of, <laughs> I, talked, I talked to Larry. An- I talked to Larry Anderson about it today. I thought it's just like Jim Salisbury's head. head Jim Salisbury, who um, I think would best be described as a traditionalist, um, his head is about to explode right now um, <laughs> at this news. I, and you should have seen his face when I said that if they really wanted to fix baseball, they should go to six men lineups and seven inning games. <laughs> <laughs> Having done podcasts, Philly's podcasts with him for this company once upon a time many years ago, I can only imagine. Yeah. Um, that was back when people actually used iPods. Correct. Correct. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I don't get this even a little bit. Um, you know, to me, the problem with baseball, there there is a pace of game problem with baseball, but, you know, a, a three-and-a-half-hour baseball game can be, feel faster uh, and move with with more pace um, than, let's say, a two-and-a-half-hour game in some respects. Um, it's not about saving, as you said, the 30 seconds or however long it takes to throw the four intentional balls on an intentional walk. It's, it's right. little things that add up over the course of the game. It's batters stepping out of the box. It's pitchers taking 25 seconds between pitches. It's the micromanagement of every aspect of the game. And, 
you know, as we said, eliminating this one measure that happens maybe, you know, once a game, you know, on average, I guess, uh, to me... I don't know if it even happens. Yeah, so yeah, I, it just doesn't accomplish anything to me. Yeah, I'm writing, I think I'm writing tomorrow um, that, so here's, there's this inherent kind of, uh, this almost unsolvable tension of opposites here within Major League Baseball's league office because speeding up the game means slowing down or the, the shorter the game, the fewer commercials that can be run. Right. And all of the things that truly muck the game up are used to sell advertising. So, so I'm writing tomorrow that if they really want to be serious about speeding, making the game more, let's forget about even speeding up. Let's just say making the game more watchable. Okay. Uh, there's no time in sports that I am less of a fan of than after the, than the time from after a starting pitcher goes out of a game until the end of the game. It just, it is the, the, the pitching changes batter by batter. is just torture. It's torturous. Um, and I think that it could be very easily solved, um, you know, by forcing any reliever that enters a game to face at least two or three batters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the game, the seventh inning on in a baseball game takes forever. Yes, it does. Uh, yes, it does. It's funny. And, everybody talks about the last two minutes of a of a basketball game, college or NBA, yeah. but it's it's from the from the sixth inning on of any baseball game is interminable. Like that sixth inning is kind of the 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 pressure point of any game. Like if a starter gets through that inning, you know, I've seen research about this. I think Joe Lemire um, or somebody from Sports Illustrated has written about this about. You know, a starter who gets through the sixth inning, that's kind of like the hump of the game for him. And then conversely, if you're out by then, if you're a starter and you're out by then, the game just slows. It's like traffic on 95. I was talking about, like, even, like, like the, the whole batter by batter thing, because right. think about it. So, so with every pitching change, you have the, guy, the, the manager goes out to the mound, signals, the guy runs in from the bullpen, throws eight warm-up pitches, the manager runs back to the dugout, other guy runs off the field, uh, and then come back from a commercial, and that, that's it. like that, that can happen three or four times. It happens three minimum three or four times most games. Mm-hmm. Like essentially, I'm talking about mostly just like the one, like like the left, like the one bat, the one batter specialist. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. um, like it's it, and that's not like this is not something the traditionalists should oppose. I would think because once upon a time that was not part of the game. Right? Like, are you telling me, you know, from the jump? I think it's unfair that just because. Like, like a little shrimp, like RJ Swindle can throw the one pitch that Ryan Howard can't hit. Like, I don't know that that's, I don't know that that's fair, or even in the best interest of a sport to have that guy be able to face Ryan Howard. You know, do you know what I'm saying? No, I, I, I get it. Yeah, they put I a get clock it. on the pitching changes, though, didn't they? Yeah, but that it, it doesn't even so much matter because th- then it becomes, then you're turning it into like a well, battle. Talking of, about, you're talking about talking sec- yeah. You, it's like a battle of like efficiency. We're chunks of like. Yeah. Yeah, like we're talking about, like, I mean, all these things we're talking about are going to save like two or three seconds here, two or three seconds there. Um, like, yeah, the, the 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 stepping out of the box and the the you know the pace of the pitcher on the mound, you know, the throwing the first. I just don't understand. You're never going to be able to right, make a pitcher go faster because, like, he can just throw to first base and like reset the entire clock. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but you you um, can stop the bit. You can stop the batter from stepping out of the batter's box. Yeah, you can 
do that, and and I don't know why they haven't done a done a better job of doing that. Um, but but over the course of a game, I just don't know how much. You know, maybe that adds up. How much does that add up to really over the course of a game versus you have these chunks of like four and five minutes that it takes to like. Um, you know, the other thing that, that Pete McKinnon and Bob McClure both said they would be in favor of, and I think is an obvious one, is like, in no other sport, like, all right, in that Super Bowl, when Tom Brady was marching the, the um, um, Patriots. Patriots down the field, um, like, there was, at all, each, each pivotal moment, you didn't see all of a sudden Bill Belichick run out in the middle of the field and, like, pull Tom Brady aside. Right. And the, the game go to, like, in no other sport can a coach enter the field of play during, you know, a regulation play, which is what an at bat is. You know oh, what I'm yeah, 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 I, I do. I, do. I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I think, I think, though, to get back to your point about entertainment value, if you go back, and you know, again, it makes me sound like an old head, but if you go back and watch games in the in the '80s and even early in the '90s, um, the, the the pace with which pitchers worked and and batters worked really was much faster it it really was you know Mike Harvey you can't regulate that no I understand you can't regulate it but so so what so my point is I think you can regulate it I think you can start calling strikes on a batter who steps out of the box yes exactly right Uh, if you can call a ball on the pitcher for doing something on the mound why can't you call a strike on a hitter for stepping out of the box yeah, you, I mean, you can. Yeah. It's, it's just not – but I don't – I mean, again, I don't know that – I mean, the pitchers are the ones that are working slower, I feel like. I disagree. Uh, I disagree with that. I think the batters are working slower, too. I think I think Nomar Garciaparra and guys like that normalized, you know, the, the idiot – you know, the, the fiddling of the batting gloves, the, the oh, yeah, step I and think, lean back, I, all I that think, stuff. Yeah, I, think, I agree. I think that stuff – yeah, but but that is a rule now already. I mean that you can't step out of the box. Then enforce it. I agree. I'm okay. with you. Okay. I got, I got one other. I got one other thing I want to throw at you guys, and this comes from. It's been done in auto racing. It's been done in a number of other sports, outside of sort of the big four traditional ones here, which is, run if you don't if you want to have fewer commercial breaks or shorter commercial breaks, you can offer to the sponsors either a split screen ad or an ad that goes around the screen or the bottom or whatever. Fox has done it with mm-hmm. various things over the years. ESPN has done it, the split screens with auto racing. I'm going to use a word that Mike doesn't like, but in soccer you see it all the time mm-hmm. with ads around the the broadcast of the field of play or whatever it may be. I, I know that there are traditionalists of American sports who don't like that, but it, people are getting used to it now. Why not do it in baseball? Yeah, they'll do it and then keep the commercial. They always want more revenue. They don't want to like Swap revenue. Well, you know what I'm saying like they're not going. Nobody's going. Nobody wants to make the. That's that's the problem is nobody wants to make the commercial breaks any shorter than they are. Yeah, but you'll get that back because uh, you'll run the ads during the play and people will see it. The other problem is this: that isn't going to happen. They'll add that. What they want to do is like, oh, that's a good idea. Let's add that to the commercial breaks as they already are. Yeah, and the other problem is that you're not going to. You're definitely not going to cut back on commercial breaks. You wouldn't do it anyway. But you're especially not going to do it after a World Series. You know, you, you just had the Cubs win the World Series. You had, you know, it dominate the conversation. Baseball's not going to look at that and say, well, we're going to seize this opportunity to decrease our revenue. Yeah, well, exactly. No, no but um, it, it, might not be a, it might not be a decrease in revenue. Although I, I will say to that point, 
not only were the ratings for the World Series up, but a lot of a lot of regional sports networks still have very strong ratings on a nightly basis for their local baseball telecasts. So the odds of anything actually happening may well be fairly slim. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, and that's what I'm running for. Is like this, this, like unless you, unless you're willing to sacrifice commercial time, games are not going to become any meaningfully much meaningfully. Uh, well, shorter. Yeah, Again, like you, yeah, you can you can make the game more watchable by policing the the you know stepping out of the batter's box stuff and and maybe the working on the mound. But let's be honest. I, I don't know that pace of game. I, I don't know that pace of game is necessarily the problem with baseball these days. Um, you know, I mean, it's just not a game that's. But I was talking with Jimmy. I, I was joking with Jimmy about how I think that lineups should be six batters because, like, but it's but think about it. In no other sport do your superstars only get four opportunities to play offense. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like. I mean, you're, you're paying these guys $25 million. And, and uh, like, let's take Mike Trout. Like, that's the thing is, like, like Mike Trout gets as many at-bats a game as Freddie Galvis. You know, he's on the screen as much as Freddie Galvis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and neither one is on more than four times a game out of a game that lasts, you know, in a, in a, in a three-and-a-half-hour stretch, you're going to watch Mike Trout do what makes him a superstar four times. So he, you're going you're gonna to spend about what maybe 10 minutes at the most of a of a you know four-hour game watching the guy who's supposed to be you know where every other sport they're on you know in football at least half the time basketball yeah but yeah but in football i mean in football that's only really true of the quarterback i mean you're you know you might see now the running back you might see adrian peterson or ezekiel elliott carry the ball 25 to 30 times but you you on on a good day, you're going to see Julio Jones eight or nine times. Um, basketball, you're y- absolutely true. You know that was that was always the analogy um, that Sam Hankey, one of the analogies Sam Hankey would rely on for his philosophy of trying to hoard superstar players. He said, you know, imagine the Red Sox from the seventh inning of a game on being able to just send Big Poppy up to the plate every single time for every single hitter. Right. That's what the Cavaliers can do with LeBron James. Basketball, I'll grant you, but but hockey's not like that. Well, the, I mean, the thing about football is you've got the well, possibility. And, that, and guess what? Nobody watches hockey either. <laughs> right. You've got the possibility in football that Julio Jones might get the ball on the next play. I was well, going to say... You watch, you watch... First of all, football's just a completely different sport, but like the, the, again, football, the quarterback is the guy, and there's a reason why the quarterback is the guy, and there's a reason why he gets too much blame and too much credit because he's on TV all the time. Well, and the, you know? the guy in baseball um, who's on TV all the time is the shortstop because he's making defensive plays because the ball's always hit to him. You're, the, telling me, you see, you, you're, you're telling me that, that you know, you, you, you think that a game, an Angels game, people see as much of Mike Trout as they see of Tom Brady in a Patriots game. No, I'm no. not saying that. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm that's saying what, is... Well, that's what I'm saying. Well, that's what the problem with the game is. Is your superstar, you only see him four times a game. Yeah, and but uh, there are other superstars in, in other sports who you don't see all that often either, is my point. Give me an example. I just gave you like one. Julio, Julio Jones... Okay, so, so you think Julio Jones is, is the reason why people watch Falcon? It's not Matt Ryan. I don't know whether he's a reason or not. I'm saying he's a superstar, and you don't see him very much. That's fine, but what I'm saying is Terrell Owens, Mike Trout. Okay, uh, so so you want to see more of Mike Trout? I get it, but yes. okay, so 
other than changing the, the 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 nature of baseball, even if you went to a six to a uh, you know a six batter lineup, which again changes the fundamental nature of the game, I'd argue. Right. Um, arguing, you're, you're arguing against something that I, I am arguing. I don't think you're listening to my point. Isn't that my the point, point of the show? Baseball just is, baseball is just not a game that's set up to to appeal to this current day and age. You know. Yeah, like, I would agree. Options. I would agree. But but that that okay. to me okay but that to me doesn't you mean no 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 that that to me means that that to me means that you you you'd be more inclined to leave it as is rather than try I to agree. shape something that's uh, incapable of fitting with today's day and age. I agree. Okay. Well, that's what I, I mean. Yeah, I agree. I uh, I think that you know. Like I said, I was joking with Salisbury about the six-man okay. lineup, but like, let's be honest. Like, a third of every game is that, you know, eight nine, you know, either seven eight nine or eight nine one, like just abyss of death where you're like, all right, well, I'll go like, you know, before the sun completely sets, I'll go finish, you know, mulching the the garden or something because Freddie Galvis is coming up followed by Zach Eflin. You know, like that's the game. Like to me, if you were inventing a sport. From the start, like baseball, you would have like I, I think a seven-man lineup would be awesome. Where like you still have nine players playing defense, but you know you, you send your seven best hitters out. Um, it, that that would just make it more equivalent with like a basketball or something like that. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not advocating this okay. happen because God okay. forbid we we, we we send Mike Sielski, we ruin Mike Sielski's childhood and, and his. Uh, yeah, it's about because it's about my childhood. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, it's, it's uh, you, you and Salisbury would like be, be in the fetal position because the national pastime had been uh, smirched. I yeah. will say this: every other sport changes its game like every freaking year, and for whatever reason, baseball you can't even like. Like people have a conviction if you think something about the intentional walk. Like I, I, I don't necessarily understand that. I mean, football, like football changes. Well, what we should dramatic. do, I actually, we should put <laughs> what we should do is put the Murphy rule in effect. So that whatever passes through your brain, baseball can just implement yeah. in instantaneously, I, I and then say, when the next thing passes through, we can change it back again. I, I I know why baseball doesn't change. It doesn't mean I like it, but I think we all know why baseball doesn't change. Because you got a bunch of seal skates. You got a bunch of seal skates running around, wishing it was wishing it was nineteen fifty five again. I don't That's wish it was nineteen fifty five. I just I'm I'm all I'm asking. Not. I don't think you were alive in nineteen. No, no. This world has been much better since I came along, but. You just you just act you just act like you were born yeah, in nineteen fifty five. Me and my uh, my greased hair and my uh, pocket protector. Um, no, all I'm saying is that. What am I saying? I'm saying that. What are you saying, Mike? Mike, what are you saying? I'm I'm saying that you should be the commissioner of baseball and the dictator of the United States, and then everything would run more smoothly. Baseball, the government, everything. Um. I'm finding it hard to dis- I'm finding it hard to disagree with you. Well, that's we've except accomplished I do, something on the show. I do believe in I do believe in representative democracy, so I would I would never advocate um, a Murphy dictatorship. A Murphy Major League Baseball commissionership, however, I will say this: I, I don't think I would be a good commissioner because uh, a commissioner is a diplomat essentially. Like everybody always drips Roger Goodell, like oh, fire Goodell. Like dude, Roger Goodell exists to be a human shield for these 32 rich guys he represents. And any policy that Roger Goodell implements is not implemented without a majority approval of the owners. And like the Flake Gate, 
like, sorry, but the flinky happened because at least 17 NFL owners were pushing him to do it. Like, Roger Goodell does not just, like, decide, well, screw, screw these 32 rich guys who pay me $40 million a year. I'm going to follow my own agenda. Like, he, 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 he finds out what the consensus is amongst them, and then he goes out and he implements it in his name so they don't have to take any grief for it. Is that a majority vote, Mike, to your knowledge, or is that a unanimous vote? <laughs> I don't know. I would love to see Murph try to implement the, the um, uh, yeah, predilections of 17 I'm billionaires. I, 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 I'm not a diplomat. Uh, I've noticed that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have enough patience for stupidity. To I've noticed that, too. Um, you know, so I, I don't know that I would be a successful Major League Baseball commissioner. And I'm not advocating that that your grand old game get changed at all. Um, I'm just saying that I think that it's, you know, disingenuous to think that changing the way we awarded intentional walks is going to make any meaningful difference. Um, I, I agree with that completely and said as much. How did we get here? <laughs> we, spent 20 minutes, spent, we spent 20 minutes on this when we were going to talk about the Eagles, Sixers, and other things yeah. that people generally so care what, about. Yeah, what are your thoughts on Eagles free agency? Before we let you go and get well, Mike Kern in here to talk about Jack in the Box tacos again. Oh, Kern's coming on? Yeah. What's it, what are you guys going to talk about? Jack in the Box tacos. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, so, no, thoughts on the Eagles. What are my thoughts no, I mean, what are your thoughts on Eagles free agency? I, I think, um, like, what's the scuttlebutt up there? What, what do you? Uh, scuttlebutt is the Deshaun the, the Jackson. I, mean, I think, I think, I think that they would be. <laughs> you ask me the question, and then you keep talking. <laughs> I think they would. I think they would be silly to. Um, I think they would be silly to, to shop at the top of the free agent wide receiver market. Um, like the fact that anyone is even mentioning Alshon Jeffrey's name to me is like hilarious because. People spent half a season wondering if they should cut Lane Johnson because he could get suspended for two years after. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like Elton yes. Jeffrey, next time he gets caught, you know, PEDs, that's a ten game suspension. And everybody acted like this was the end of the world for Lane Johnson and whether it was grounds for suspension or uh, grounds for tearing up his contract and bidding him a do one of the best right tackles in the game. First of all, Alshon Jeffrey is way overrated. And Everybody who's in love with him is a, is mostly in love with him because he puts up great fantasy stats, but they haven't they have not watched uh, I would love to see how many reps of Alshon Jeffrey they've actually watched, how many Chicago Bears games they've actually watched, um, and why they don't ask themselves, if, if this guy is so good, you know, like, why are the Bears always perennial freaking losers, you know? Uh, I know wide receiver only has so much impact on a game, uh, but, you know, even the Lions got good with, with uh, Calvin Johnson. Um, I, I, you know. They were look, good this year Alshon without him. better than what the, What's that? I said they were good this year without him. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, like like Alshon Jeffrey, he's better than what the Eagles have, but you know he's like the Marcus Cousins type to me. We're like, ouch! Like he's really good and he's good, and he's going to put up numbers, but I just don't know that he fits a lot, you know, with what a team wants to do. Do you know what I'm saying? Like he's he's. This is hard to explain. Uh, well, I okay. He painted a little bit because he was such a he was such a turd in his last season at South Carolina. Um, I also think he's a turd. You know, um, you know he, he he had. That's why he fell to the second round um, coming out of South Carolina. You know, I, he's a guy I would not trust to, you know, continue to dedicate himself to the sport of football after signing a contract. Um, I have you know, he's a, a guy who's never been a winner. I mean, I know that here, here's, here's, game that one year, here, here are my thoughts. Okay, the, t- you asked what the scuttlebutt was 
up here. And the scuttlebutt is what's happening up here is that Deshaun Jackson is basically lobbying I, to, to join the Eagles, whether he actually wants to join the Eagles or whether he wants to try to create a bidding war for himself, assuming the Redskins right. cut him, you know, only Deshaun knows. Um, I, I do agree with you. I, I would be more inclined if you're going to, if you're, if the Eagles are absolutely committed to going out and acquiring a wide receiver, I'm with you in that Pierre Garçon would be the better option. Um, Thank you. You know, for, for a couple reasons. For A, you know, cost reasons, you know, when you have limited financial resources available. Well, according, to, according to Jimmy Kemsky, he's going to get like uh, $800 billion um, at 31 years old. But Well, I, I my argument would wait. be, my argument would be, even at 31, given his body type and given his style of play, Garcon is a better bet than a Deshaun Jackson or maybe even an Alshon oh, Jeffrey, depending on how you feel about his character. You're talk, you, 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 are, you, you realize you're talking to the, to the, uh, the, main driver of the Pierre Garçon uh, freaking get on the bus drive, you know? I, I've been, I've been a, what's that little thing under his, uh, his C in his name? A Sedilla. A what? A Sedilla. An accent. Yeah. A Sedilla, I, I couldn't really understand you. Is that too It's terrible? okay. It's an accent. Just go with that. Okay. Yeah, like I'm going to put one under my name because I love Pierre Garçon so much. Um, I think he's I think he's perfect for what this team needs, and I think frankly Alshon Jeffrey, like, I don't know that they. This is going to come out wrong because uh, all of this is framed within the, the the assumption that he's going to be he's you're going to be paying a the amount of money you're going to pay him is going to prohibit you from addressing other needs. Where I'm not, it maybe maybe Pierre Garcon is that is that way too, and if so, I don't know that I would sign Pierre Garcon either. I I would. Absolutely, um, look hard, hard, hard at these cor- at one of these cornerbacks that's out, particularly the kid from uh, the Texans, AJ Boye. Um, I really like him. I think that you're a lot closer to being able. To, I think the Eagles are a lot closer to being able to win a game on the strength of their defense than they are on the strength of their offense. And I think that trying to, um, you know, pay, you know, serve both masters mm-hmm. could prevent you from fielding a unit. Unit that is capable of winning a game. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's almost like the, uh, like I think you could, like the Seahawks survived years with a crappy offense because they had such a great defense. I think the Eagles, um, the sum of their parts, you know, could be could be greater by addressing the defensive side of the ball than neglecting it in favor of, you know, bailing water on the offense, so to speak. Does that I, make sense? It does. It does. I, I, you know, I'm with you, but I mean, that's just it is that they have so many areas that they've got to shore up and such little, so few resources available to do it, um, that that becomes a tricky part. Like like the part, like part of the reason why, why so much of of this talk is, is just that we we've had over the last couple of months of empty talk is because you can't talk about a guy like the, the, the Sean Jackson conversation is so intellectually dishonest or naive or disingenuous because it never comes attached with what he's actually going to cost. You know, I mean, you have people say, oh, you, you told me you want to take Deshaun Jackson. Have you seen these wide receivers? We're talking about he needs like, yeah, I would take Deshaun Jackson if he plays for the veteran minimum. Absolutely. You know, the question is, what what are you going to end up paying this guy who is a very big breakdown risk, is already starting to miss games, um, you know, and really is a one trick pony. Granted, it's a trick the Eagles could really use and, and it would it would infinitely help Carson Wentz. Uh, but at the same time, how much is that trick going to cost? And, and that's, you know, 
I don't know. What do, you, what do we think Deshaun Jackson is? What did he say he's willing to, to play for when he was lobbying? Well, let me, for, let uh, me throw another wild card into that, which is he thinks he can get a long-term contract out of somebody. Is he, if, right. if he wants well, to play for the Eagles specifically that badly, not knowing if he does or not, if he wants that, Mike, mm-hmm. uh, is he going to have to back off what he wants? Well, we, uh, I haven't seen a number... I haven't seen him articulate. He, he or, said it. I'll get it up here. He right, said maybe it. he's getting it. I hadn't seen what the number was that he would be willing to play to play for. Um, you know, if it's going to be a multi-year contract, that's going to be, you know, incentive laden to say the least. Um, I would think. Um, you know, but I mean, I, th- you have to take that. You know, I I agree with you, Murph. It's kind of a disingenuous debate to have. Do you want the Eagles to bring back Deshaun Jackson? It's never in the NFL. It's never about like, that. Yeah, I- I want him to sign everybody. Right. Know? Yeah, it's never about that. It's do you want the Eagles to bring back Deshaun Jackson at $5 an hour? Well, yeah, sure. Do you want him to bring him back at, you know, 16 million per? No, you don't. So, you know, what what is the, you know, what is the middle ground there that they're going to they would have to find? And I don't know what that is, and I'm not even sure even if they were to find that middle ground, um that would be worth it. Better. Yeah. I kind of do too. Uh yeah, since what, what um, what what cat what any movement on the Jason Peters situation? No, no, there really hasn't been anything. Um, like you what, know. what timetable are we looking at? Like the, the NFL free agency, free agency starts what March 9th? Yes. Okay, yeah. so what? So in between, is there like a? Uh, isn't there like a forty-eight hour window where teams can no longer talk to to these guys? Yeah, there's well, it's there's the unofficial beginning of the period, you know, which is forty-eight hours ahead of when the official period begins. So I would guess March seventh. Yes, that's correct. Is uh, <clears throat> when the unofficial period begins. So you, the Eagles are going to have to do to something to, by then. They can continue to talk to Jason Peters right up through then. They don't have to make a decision on whether to cut him, keep him, whatever, until March seventh. And then correct? somebody else can talk to him. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, like, and I think, I just think they have so many needs. Um, I, mean, I just don't know. I just don't know that, that wide receiver, um, like, look, I, I'm a huge wide receiver fan and I think it's a very important position. And I think it's the, the neglect of it is one of the big reasons why Andy Reid, you know, only went to one Super Bowl. But I also think that you can get by at wide receiver, um, uh, when you're building up, you know, as long as you're building up other positions, put it this way, I don't think it's a, you know, like, look, if you can't, if you can't rush the passer, um, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot more of a hindrance to victory than if you have a mediocre fleet of receivers, Right. you know, I would agree Uh, with that. I I would agree with that. And I think, and I honestly think, I personally think their, I think their pass rush is an underrated area of concern. Um, I think it's something that not a lot of people talk about, and yet it's something that they are going to have to, um, they're going to have to address somehow, whether it's, you know, Vinnie Curry suddenly takes a major leap forward, which I don't know how realistic it is to think that he's, that's going to happen. Um, you know, whether, uh, you know, Brandon Graham takes another step forward where they draft somebody, whatever the case may be, they're going to have to find something going on there, um, because it, it really wasn't good enough last year. Right. I agree. What about Okafor? What's the deal? Uh, I was deal wondering if that was going to come up. Uh, Mike, what's the latest? Been, what's, uh, all right. been all over that. All right. So, Mike's computer was incinerated earlier today. 
May it rest in peace. No, it wasn't in stereo. I was making a joke. Oh, okay. I was making a joke. Well, let me let me read something that, that Marcus Hayes wrote this morning. Did you, did, didn't you read the little label on the back that says that not microwavable? No, I was I was making a joke about hot takes. So so oh, <laughs> Marcus Hayes wrote this morning. Oh, I saw that. Okafor does not want to be in Philadelphia. He never has. He never will. He doesn't fit. He knows it. He's a true hinky product. He's tanking himself. Mm. Yeah, you know, I look, I, I think Jaleel Okafor, um, we've, we've discussed this. I think, uh, you know, this gets back to the, the classic Devil Wears Prada reference I made a couple weeks back about referencing... You, uh, 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 an employee or an athlete who thinks he or she is working hard and really doesn't understand as he or she moves up uh, the chain uh, in his profession what it means to work hard. And I think Julie Okafor is there. I think he is working hard. I think his I think his heart is in the right place. I think he's limited in what he can do defensively. And he's never been, at, in part because he's never been asked to do that or had to do it at the levels of basketball that he has played prior to this. I think he's no fit for the Sixers. I think if they can move him, they should. I've written before, and I stand by it, even though I usually don't stand by this sort of thing. If they, Whatever they get back for him, a second-round pick, a couple second-round picks, even you know a late first-round pick, obviously, I would take it because I don't think he's helping you all that much. And I think moving him out of the way just relieves you of something you don't have to deal with anymore. And I don't mean that in a bad way with respect to his personality. I just mean the idea of having to get him minutes, having to find a way to shoehorn him into the lineup. This just in. Yep. From Keith Pompey, who was at Sixers practice today, talking to Okafor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there were reports on uh, on NBA TV last night the Lakers were a possible destination. Same with the Kings. ESPN said the Pacers. Uh, Keith, the, the Pelicans have been out there. The Nuggets, a bunch of other teams. Keith says the Bulls and Nuggets are out. Okafor said the Sixers had discussions with, in Keith's words, 10 or 11 teams. He said there will, he, Okafor, said there will be no hard feelings if he remains a Sixer past the trade deadline after being openly shopped around. Okay. Your thoughts, Murph? Yeah, I mean, I think we, we kind of, I, I would encourage everybody, if you didn't get a chance, because somehow it, it's, it still holds up, to tune into that podcast that we recorded with Derek Bodner a couple weeks yes. ago. Um in which I was convinced Okafor was going to be traded. This was this was during that that Okafor's uh, kind of missing years. I think when he when he went on that he followed the Howie Roseman trail yeah. through the ball. Um, and and we had Derek Bodner, the, the very very insightful and talented uh, reporter um, slash analyst for uh, as of recently. DerekBodner.com. Philly Mag, and we and we talked about Julie Okafor at length and and. You know, Mike, Mike kind of summed it all up there, right? I, I think Julian Okafor is a low-energy player. Um, I think that he doesn't necessarily know what he – I don't know if he doesn't want – either he doesn't want to be great or he doesn't understand that he isn't great or he doesn't um, believe in what he needs to do to become great. Um, and I think he's also just naturally low-energy. Um, you know, he kind of gives off that that, you know – whatever, too cool vibe. Not, not, not even too cool. He's just like very like mellow, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and he's not a runner and he and doesn't just, play defense. Yeah. Right, right. And I think that part of and we, we talked, it, anyway, we got into all the ins and outs. It was, it was actually pretty interesting. I don't want to like re, re, re-hold the whole discussion. But yeah, I agree. I think, I think um, 
No, I think saying I, I never like to be a guy who says a guy has no heart because uh, I I don't know. I just think I think low energy is a better. Like I don't know. Maybe he does have no heart. I don't know. I, I don't know the guy. Um, but yeah, I think he needs to be traded. I'm going to be very interested to see. I mean, this is like Brian Colangelo's. Uh, like this is his 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 chance to. I mean, this will this week will make or break his reputation here in Philadelphia. Would you not say? If it's not already gone. Yeah, I mean, I I, I do think that. Well, I, I think mean, if he if he if he ends up pulling out a deal that was better than what the Pelicans offered, then I think that he 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 very much saves saves face. No. No, I agree with you, and and but but the interesting part about that is that. Like, for instance, our colleague Bob Cooney has made the argument that the Sixers don't have to trade Ogafor yet. I'm not entirely sure I agree with that. But given that so many of the machinations that Colangelo has gone through have become public already, if he doesn't pull a deal off, I mean, that kind of changes everything. It would be one thing if he were playing everything so close to the vest that we had no idea what he was going to do. And therefore, if they don't make a deal, you would say, okay, well... We don't know whether he was actively shopping him or whether he couldn't get a good deal or whatever the case may be. We know exactly we know exactly what's been out there, you know, and so if he doesn't make a deal, he looks worse for it. Yeah, like I I agree with you where like right now and we said this throughout the process you know, the process, lowercase B, um, that it's been a very curious way of going He's had a very curious way of going about his business over the last couple of years from, I mean, even from, from, from his father saying we have to get a point guard in here when he first, when he first took over. Um, like it's just, I'm, I'm of, I'm of the belief that all information is, 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 uh, you know, information is power. Essentially information is, is, uh, currency and you don't just run around throwing money at, at your competitors, you know? Um, and I think he messed. Like it was very curious for him to say to, to essentially say in the off season that one of these guys was going to be traded. Uh, it's been very curious that we've kind of gone to running play by play of how all these deals have unfolded. And the only way for him to, you know, flip my opinion of him, which is he's playing this completely wrong, is to have it all pay off in the end. And, and we kind of he, he unveils his master plan. Does yeah, that make sense? It, yeah, like, right. No, it does. It's um, it, what's just occurred to me just now is. You see how much of um, the Hinky inverse Colangelo is. Hinky was right. totally That's... he was totally upfront about his intention and his long term mission. We're going to break this thing down completely. We're going to deal with it for as long as we have to, and then we're going to build it back up. But when it came to actually making uh, personnel decisions and trades, you didn't know anything until they actually happened. Colangelo is the exact, right. since he took over, it's been the exact reverse. We don't know now what the Sixers' long-term vision is. Like, are they going to compete next year? Is this year still a tank year? Um, when do Simmons and Embiid come back? But in the minutia, in the in the the attempts to deal Okafor or whatever, the, we know all about that stuff. All that stuff gets and, out. And this is what you went after Colangelo for last week. Right. And, and you know, and about his... Insecurity, creating, creating the perception that the Sixers were competing now, because it satisfied the people who were hurt by the fact that the Sixers were not, in their perception, in the fans' perception, in quotes, air quotes, doing everything possible to win. Which is why I said to you on the show last week that that Brian Colangelo was hired to talk to the media. Yeah, which he hasn't done. Um, which and now know. they're turning on him because he isn't talking. Yeah, not yeah. because he's doing a good job or a bad job. Anyway, anyway. I would say, I would say, 
I would disagree with the. Um, I would agree. I would disagree with the notion that do not have to trade Jaleel Okafor right now because look, you've been willing to trade him for the last two years. His stock has not gotten any higher. Right. Or you know, I, I would argue his stock is pretty. He's been the same player since he got drafted. You know, like he's everyone knows who knows what and who Jaleel Okafor is. Uh, the only thing, the only further information we have over the last two years is that it's looking less likely that he he was going to take that you know next step and do all those. You know, there was always that that like, well, maybe he'll like start busting his butt and get in the gym and shed some of the baby fat and blah 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 blah. Like the, the only thing we know is that he hasn't done that. Otherwise, he's still very much the same player he was when he came out. And right. you know, over the last couple of years. Like, to think that a team is suddenly going to, like, decide that it wants that kind of player between now and next year it seems kind of silly. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I think that – that and it, even, if they, even if that team does, I would think that the decline in his value, um, given, given his one year closer to a big contract, um, would offset whatever, you know, whatever – Price you would think you would get out of right. The, you know the, what I'm saying? Like, no, the market the market for him is now, and I think particularly for a team that is either making a playoff push or is already going to yes. be in the playoffs. Yes, 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 That feels like it has that it needs bench scoring in the low post. Right. You know, when the when the the game slows down in the playoffs, hey, if we can get seven minutes out of Julio Okafor and he gets us sixty, you know, six points, three easy buckets during that time and doesn't kill us defensively. We give up something of value that, for that. That was, but and that was all. The market for him was always going to be right now. Yeah, to find a not during the summer, not during the off season, but to find a team who needed Okafor as a bench piece, as a piece of a playoff run, and right. would be willing to give something of moderate consequence up to the Sixers more than what the more than what Okafor's value would be during a summer trade. I think we can agree on right. that. Now was always the time to make the deal. Yeah. Um, is there any, is there still any thought that that Boston might be the the eventual landing place? I don't. Not that I've seen. No, I don't think so at this at this point. I think they're looking more for a, a bigger guard. Um, there's there's scuttlebutt about them being interested in Jimmy Walker. Excuse me, Jimmy Butler, um, which would be dynamite. Um, because you know, as great as Isaiah Thomas is, are you going to rely on him a five nine guard in the fourth quarter? Um, again, when the game slows down and um, you know that sort of thing. If I think the, if the Pacers are willing to part with Paul George, that might be, and they want Jimmy Butler, then there might be a multi-team deal. To yeah, could do be. Here. Um, but here's the question: Why would why would why would the Pacers? And again, this is not. I'm not. This is a genuine question because I really haven't been following. But why would the Pacers want to part with Paul George, but then trade for Julia Okafor? I'm not saying that Okafor would end up in Indi- in Indiana in. Indiana, oh, okay. Indianapolis. He might end up in Chicago. Butler would end up in. Oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. I gotcha. So there uh, yeah, would be a multi-team deal here. But didn't, didn't, didn't you just say Keith just said the Bulls are out? Uh, mm, sorry, you're right. The Bulls are out. Well, okay. So, well, do you, but you've got you, you've got all, another. I don't, I don't necessarily believe that anybody's ever out, but but if that's you know whatever, take that well, for what it's then worth. If the Lake, if the Lakers are interested in somebody and they want a big name and they want. They want yeah. Paul George. The, the 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 story came from Yahoo this, on Wednesday afternoon. The Indiana Pacers are gauging the trade market on all-star forward Paul George. Lee sources told Adrian Wojnarowski. That throws a stick of dynamite in everything, I think. Because even a, a you know, 
the Lakers, I think he's from L.A., maybe, Paul George's. Yes, his hometown, yeah, I mean, L.A. Lakers. I would, not, I would not think that Paul George being available would, would help to the local force value. If it, if it greases the skids for a deal to get done in some direction for an, or another that's a, that's a multi-team deal, then who knows? What I'm saying is, like, Paul George is just another big man that a team has an option of if, he, if he's available now. Yeah, but if Magic Johnson wants to make a splash with the Lakers and go get a big name now that he's the GM, who knows? And what, what, I still don't. I don't. I, I don't understand this. Um, I mean, the Lakers, the Pacers are in a playoff spot right now, aren't they? Yeah, but they're getting yeah. they're getting a little sick of Paul George from what I've heard, and they oh, think really? he might they think he might walk this summer. I guess he's not really a big man. I guess he's more of a small forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're, they're, it seems like an odd time. It seems like an odd time to trade trade your. Uh, Franchise player. It, it, he's. Let's see here. He's a. He's a. He's a free agent in 2018. So if they're getting worried right. that he might walk, that's got to be what's doing it. Yeah, probably. Probably. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. It's just it, it's weird that like, I mean they've very much been. I mean they they traded for that Thad Young. They they've got Jeff. They traded for Jeff Teague, didn't they? No, they looked like they were making for a move, but they, I did. They did. Yeah. No. 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 Not Jeff. Um, no, they got Jeff Teague. Yeah, they traded. Didn't they trade for Jeff Teague this off season? Yes, they did. But there, there have been uh, some stories out there, Mike. You've seen them too. That the Pacers have not always been so fond of the way Paul George is. Yeah, um, you know, I, I don't know why. I'm mean, Paul no, George. You, think you, you would think that you would make that decision before you trade yeah. for Jeff Teague. And, right. Exactly. Like, if you're if you're telling you decide that you can win an NBA championship. Hey, the, the rumors out there now that the Knicks are looking to deal Derrick Rose. So. Yeah. Um, you know, the, which makes me laugh because some number of Sixers fans wanted him back at the time. Yeah, and I think you and I, Mike, both knew it was going to be a disaster. I actually floated that to Hanky one time. Like, would you take a shot on Derrick Rose? Given because I didn't think the Knicks' initial acquisition of him was necessarily a terrible move. He was on a one-year contract. You know, one year left on his deal. If he's able to come in here and you know, by some, you know, one in a million shot, the Knicks make it work, um, and he stays healthy and everything goes as well as it could possibly go you sign him and if it doesn't work out well okay you trade him or you let him walk so um but Hickey just laughed when he brought up Derek when I brought up Derek Rose to him that one time so he just snickered I mean, Derek, Rose, Derek Rose is not nearly the player he used to be but no. I think he's a guy who can still help a team if his mentality's right you know yeah like yeah Anthony, and his knees and whatever Carmelo Anthony is, is the problem with that New York Knicks team uh you know Carmelo Anthony it, it, it is just unplayable like he's just impossible to play with and impossible to coach. And I'll never like whatever. I'll I'll, I'll stand by that, you know, forever. Like, yeah, I I, I think, think you know I, what I think. I think he's one of those guys who, he, again, he's played a certain way for so long that it's almost Iverson like. Like he doesn't know any other way. And so exactly, you know, I think. Well, and I always said that about. I mean, Iverson was just so transcendent and so, you know, uh, you know. Magnetic, yeah, that, yeah. That he was able to at least make it work for a couple of years. I mean, in, in terms of winning this, but right. like Carmelo, very much the same. Where like, I think it was easier to surround Iverson with a team that he could win with Absolutely. because he could just build a good defense around Absolutely. him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Carmelo Anthony doesn't play defense, you know. And frankly, he's just not like for all the points he scores, he's just and, and for all the technical skill he has, he's an awful, awful, awful NBA team basketball player, and he kills that offense. Um, so like I don't I don't know that Derek Rose you know I think Derek 
and I'm and I'm going on like three games. The three games I've watched, you know, the Knicks play this year, including one against the Sixers. Derrick Rose was like the the only reason T.J. McConnell was even forced to hit that that buzzer beater. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in that game against the Sixers. I mean, Derrick Rose played a very very good uh, fourth quarter, and and again, he's not like he's just not the guy that that was going to win the MVP and just dominate the entire league. But he's still just a very smooth, uh, you know, very technically sound. Uh, point guard, and I, I think he could help the right team again if he, as long as he's not, you know, the number has to be the number one option, nor thinks of himself as the number one. Well, that, option. all right. So that raises an interesting question. Let's close on this. Um, and I don't okay. know. I don't know how the timing would work out or anything like that. Suppose he became. Suppose Embiid comes back and he's healthy. Would you want? Would you consider Derek Rose as a point guard for the Sixers in that context? No, no, I don't okay. think so. Because I think that I don't think Derrick Rose would work well with Ben Simmons. Fair uh, point. Yeah, because Derrick Rose has to have the ball in his hand at all right. times. Right. In terms of like the offense has to flow through um, Derrick Rose. And did he ever? Who's his big man in? Uh, in uh, did he ever have a big man? In, I guess I guess uh, Noah, Noah was his Noah, big man. And like, did that offense run? I don't know how their high low game was, but I, I just oh think yeah, that, I think Rose. I think in Rose and Bead and Simmons, you've got three guys who need to be able to roam a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, like they, and I just don't think the court's big enough for the three of them. Uh, the guy I would love—I I don't know if his name like like—is John Wall. Is there any chance John Wall leaves the Wizards at any yes, point? Yes, absolutely. I love John Wall. Absolutely, there's a chance. He I think leaves. John Wall. John Wall is a guy I would try. Um, very very hard to. And that to, uh, that was part of the reason why. There was some speculation that Ben, before Ben Simmons' health and all the other things that got exposed mm-hmm. went off the rails, there was some speculation that Simmons might make his season debut against Washington. For that reason? To, to show John Wall what the Sixers might be, because Wall's thinking about getting out of D.C. Mm. But they're playing so well lately that you, that doesn't well, they make sense to Yeah. By the that Yeah, I mean— Well, you asked about Rose a minute ago. The year the Bulls were the number one seed, and Rose blew his ACL and the Sixers beat him. Mm-hmm. The big men were Joachim Noah, Lou Alding, Taj Gibson, and Carlos Boozer, and Omar Essi. And that, they were the number one seed. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They had the best regular the, season the record in the East that year. The Wizards are 34 and 21 in the, the third seed. So, I mean, John Wall's not going anywhere right now, but uh, there's some. you're saying there's some thought he might be looking to get out after the season? There, there, there was some thought, I think, before they went on this hot streak that they're on, but that is an okay. imperfect team and organization at the moment, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I, if I was the Sixers, I would, uh, yeah, I don't think anything, I think they're not going to solve their point guard problem until the offseason. Um, oh, yeah. I, I just, but, I wouldn't want Rose because I wouldn't want, I'm not sure I'd want that old a point guard with that young and everybody else. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. All right. All, all right. on the same page. Why don't you guys, it's uh, current, like, it's current there, uh, no, Kurt. I think we're gonna we're gonna have to ditch the um, the the taco talk because uh, John's got a meeting to get to. So the hashtag taco talk. Hashtag taco talk. We'll we'll, we'll try that for next What's week. What's the meeting about? What's the meeting about? JT? Big going big goings on up there. That is a secret for the readers to learn about in the coming days. And the listeners to come at and learn about in the coming days. All right, go get some sun, Murph. Uh, well, I see a big thunder cloud over my head, so I don't know if that's gonna happen. All right, but I will try. Avoid some rain. Yeah. All right, see ya.